Welcome to the Homeowners Institute. I'm your host, Fred Gutierrez. Today we have Everett Andrews. Everett's a mill worker that works in the Boston area. In this conversation with Everett, we have three episodes, two which will be back to back. This is episode two. Episode one was previously released and the extra content can be found on the website Homeowners Institute. In Everett's bonus material, we talk about what makes good cabinetry and why we try to get into the specifics. In this episode, Everett and I talk about the balancing act of knowledge, how going from a general knowledge base that's necessary to be empathetic to others and work well in a team to going to a specialization knowledge that can help a builder or architect provide high value services that clearly support the right owners. I also make a claim that trades are at the center of the project and can dictate the work around them. While Everett agrees in general, he makes the case that mill workers are really even more essential to the planning of a project. We talk about how challenging communications can be, and even though over-communication can feel odd, it's a great asset to the project. We further talk about how trusting and committing to a process can be the key to a successful project. So please enjoy this conversation with Everett Andrews. A lot of the conversations I have on the podcast and, you know, I've found I'm always looking for owners and architects and builders to know what they know what they want or know what they want or what, know what they want to give or what they have to offer. So it kind of leads to a specialization where I find it's generous for a builder to focus on what they do well and make that apparent to the world that that's what they do well so that they can attract or people can find them. So, you know, a good example is um, a builder that is heavily invested um, intellectually and, and capitalized for sustainable construction, you know, building science. They spend a lot of their waking hours thinking about that specific topic if they can be true to themselves and say, this is really what I want to focus on, people can find them for that. Now, I think this is a real good asset to a lot of people, but it also can be a downfall where specialization becomes very costly in complex problems where you, can, you have to solve more than that one thing. So I, I think that's why general contractors are called general contractors is because there's a general knowledge and their ability to do work um, generally. Now that's totally right. gotten, that's totally turned on its head, at least in my, my career and my 35 year career, is that the way the work has been um, structured is it's become much more specialized, that people are good at doing one thing, but not another thing. and. It's a challenge. I think it's something to talk about. Um, some projects need the specialization and some projects can can require just a general good, um, you know, company or crew that can self-perform and do the work. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that in general? I, I just kind of wanted to bring that up. Gosh, it, it covers a lot of ground. Um, <laughs> I, I think that uh, you and and your partner it's a, it's been a 
it's been fun to to grow. Uh, all of us have grown together, uh, our skills and our knowledge base and so forth. Um, I feel like a good general contractor probably has worked in the various trades. Uh, right. Not all of them. Some of them are just like, they just get it. They may have right. been a, an executive or, you know, in a completely different trade and picked up uh, general contracting and, and excel at it. Uh, I think it's about being really curious um, with, not just with the client, but with every trade, you know, why mm -hmm. does the site work have to be done this way? Why is, why are the engineers measuring from this part when I feel like there's a better view if the house is oriented that way? Um, you know, when the foundation goes in, it, are they digging down the appropriate amount to make sure that, you know, there's not going to be settling or to make sure the foundation's going to perform the way it's supposed to, right? Right. Drainage and insulation, all that. Uh, and it just goes from there. Like, you think about the number of people involved in even a modest project, uh, you can easily approach 100 people. Oh, yeah. Between the various, uh, you know, engineers and trades and... Um, there have to be people, uh, roles that I've filled many times that are just in the trenches doing the work, you know, because it's very labor intensive and that it just has to get done. Right. Uh, not not everyone can be a manager, right? Right. But uh, but I think it's important for the people in the trenches to learn some management, even if it's just self management. You right. Know? Uh, and I also think it's really important that the general contractor be able to uh, know enough about every individual uh, task that's being done so that they can just at a glance walk into a room and say, gosh, that door's swinging the wrong way. Or, you know, the the faucets are at the, the wrong height in the and noticing that in the rough before there's any wallboard up. Right. Uh, instead of coming up, you know, what they do is they the value that they ha can bring to the table is that broad and deep knowledge base where they they just see stuff as a matter of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, you know, often say whether I'm trying to learn something or teach my children or a coworker or something, it's always like you, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, yeah. and that's not, it's not a derogatory statement. It's that affects all of us in every right. phase of our lives. Right. So you, right. if you put it specific to my current gig, which is architectural millwork, primarily, um, I need to really focus in on, so where I'm going, with this is if I go to a job and do some field dimensioning, I'll measure things that I don't think are really have any relevance to, uh, let's say, this bank of cabinets that I'm about to install. I'll locate mm -hmm. all kinds of features in the room, uh, outlets, baseboard height, other things, uh, even if it doesn't get used with the final product. Um, it's important because it might save me a a two hour round trip into town to measure that one outlet <laughs> location. Right. Oh yeah. Um, 
And if you have a team of people like I grew very accustomed to working with uh, when I was working in the mill workshop there, um, I would measure a job and it would go to production. And then months later, I would be installing it. And um, it was pretty humbling when there was something that I didn't measure correctly or just forgot to measure, like right. the, size of the, ele the size of the elevator that leads up to the fifth floor where we're going to... Right. Install this stuff. So right. we're in the lobby disassembling things to get them up right. inside. <laughs> well, you come on a on the heels of an interview that I did with Rebecca Snelling on Lean. And I know uh, we've we've sat through a couple lean um pull planning sessions together, I'm sure. Yes. Um so you know what I what I really like about lean um is this recognition that that by working together, we can, we can add value for everybody, not for just ourselves, but for others. And I think right. you experience, you experience that as a mill worker when you're working, not for the owner or the general contractor, but you're working for, um, you're working for the painter and you're working for the, 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 the plasterer and the, um, the appliance installer. You're watching right. out for them so that they can prosper in the work they do. And likewise, they're going to work. So it's that mutual respect and understanding that work. So it's you're a specialist in the millworks, but you're a generalist for all the areas around you. Um, I just think Correct. it's really, it's really, un, I think, it, I think it just needs to be celebrated more. The people that, consciously do that and then also seek out mm -hmm. to learn more from their surroundings yeah. um and i just want people to I, I just want owners to hear that again and again because i think good general contractors do that unrecognized um i think superintendents right. do that unrecognized and i think yes. the relationship between subcontractors or these specialty trades there's a lot in relationships that is unrecognized or undervalued when sometimes there's a temptation to bring somebody in relatively new to a, a situation and ask for the same value from them. Now, I, 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 I'm not trying to say don't try new people or new companies, but I'm saying you need to recognize that other than price, there's, there's a key relationship that needs to be that either is maintained because people know how to work with each other and they respect each other, or it needs to be nurtured so that that new specialization can fulfill the needs of the people around them and vice versa. They can be supported by the people around them as well. Right. Well, that, that also covers a lot of ground, Fred. <laughs> I like, I like big questions. <laughs> yes. So, I pulled three things out of that. First is, um, as a mill worker, basically mill work drives all the other trades. Um, <laughs> oh, does it? No. <laughs> yes. And I'm not saying that selfishly. Okay. <laughs> Although, it's true. <laughs> um, the location of the outlets, the location of the faucets, the location of you know the, the framing and other elements... They all um, kind of work in concert 
to make a, a millwork installation shine, mm-hmm. um, especially in new construction. Uh, right. But in, in, in any type of construction, um, you know, the uh, HVAC vent locations, return air, stuff like that, that uh, has come up recently uh, on a few right. projects that I've been on. And it's just like, it it's so important to have those conversations early on mm-hmm. um so that like for example i look at i i walk in i look at a kitchen you know it's it's already designed um my job is to measure it build it and install it um uh, probably the first 10 questions i ask are about the other trades yeah. what type of heat do you have is there radiant heat do we need do we need to be concerned with putting fasteners down into the floor? Uh, is the finished floor going to be there before we are? It's going to impact how tall we make our cabinets. Um, you know, are the outlets in appropriate locations? Is there mm-hmm. under cabinet lighting? And where are those wires that you know they need to come out of out of the wall in just the right place so we're not patching walls during install and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So there's that kind of, you know, being a mill worker and having to have a general knowledge of all the other trades. Appliance mm-hmm. installation, gosh, that's that's a huge one. Um, now I've run astray. <laughs> <laughs> so you said there were three things that you pulled out of my question. That was one, right? Right. Yeah, that was one. Uh, they're kind of interrelated. That's fine. But it's, it, it really kind of goes back to uh, asking the right questions, um, having a sincere uh, mindset that you want everybody to make money, right? Yeah. Everybody needs yeah. to make a, a, a living wage. Everybody needs to be able to rely on uh, each other to to get through the day, the week, the month, the project. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can the can the flooring guys hold off on installing their floor? For a week, yep. so that yep. some other items can happen, and then their floor goes in last, and you know maybe it's a pre-finished floor that you need to um, to be worried less about protecting it while everyone else is doing their part of the project. I guess that that kind of does. I only listed one specific bullet point. No, that's fine. Let's, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think what it, what it, what, what you're getting, what actually what you reminded me of as well is uh, predictability. And, you know, when you're talking about you coming on site, starting to think about the millwork very intentionally, it almost takes a time out to say to everybody is like, let's, let's stop and reflect on this as a group. Because I don't want to cause any rework for anybody. Right. And we all need to recognize that the decisions we make right now can affect everybody's productivity. You know, right. if you put in the wrong electrical boxes now, there's no choice other than to replace them later. Right. You know, if you put them in the wrong location now, there's no choice than the other than to remove them. Or if you put in the floor now, there's no choice to not protect these with a lot of additional time and materials to do that. So right. I think it's, 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 
taking a time out and recognizing that time is also an asset that we have to invest with right. and not trying to rush things and recognizing that we're going to work as a group so that everybody can have some predictable outcomes so that they can manage their ability to be efficient. Right. So we invest in each other, right? Right. And, and um, on, during the ramp up to a project that I did with you, you invested in myself and several other people and brought us to a uh, pool planning uh, seminar. One evening, we all went and spent about three hours learning how to put colored post-its on a whiteboard and uh, right and start reorganizing them and realizing, wow, you know, like this batch of five different colored post-its are com- are organized completely differently than the way each of us thought they should be. Once we had right. a conversation, right, um, it's a really valuable tool. And and gosh, it, that was. That was 10 years ago, and I use it daily, subconsciously, really, at this point. Right. Right. Just, uh, you know, here's my goal. How are we going to get there? And, and what are the roadblocks? Right. And what are the you know right. benefits? And and what are um, what kind of things can we talk about now to make it go easier? Um, and I'm, I'm about a year into a, a, a relationship, a working relationship with a with a guy that helps me now. And uh, I, I constantly have to stop myself and, you know, remember that he can't read my mind. <laughs> and we, and I can't take for granted that even though he's been at this as long as I have, that, you know, that we're going to make the same choices. Yeah. Um, I know that uh, we work really well together and, and it's a, uh, I get to a, a point where I remind myself that yes, he has the, done this before. I don't need to micromanage him, but I definitely need to ask you know these three questions to make right. sure that that I've represented the job correctly and and that he's going to do it according to the way that I you know presented it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. You have to align expectations. I think often yeah, you know we get into jobs where. You know, you're you're working with a new builder, with a new architect, and with an owner that, you know, comes, you know, obviously is a successful person, so they're very, very professional and they understand what's going on. Right. But there's always always this general assumption that everybody's a professional and they all know how to work together. But the reality is these three entities have never worked together and that all these assumptions that you have may not be correct. And it's not a downfall in terms of how professional somebody is or how competent they are. It's just you right. need to realign the expectations of how you're going to work together and what assumptions you can make. Um, so I think it's getting getting together early and investing that time and understanding how people right. process information, how, the, how people need to be um, communicated with, um, how to respect the challenges that they face on the project and how, and support them on them. Right. It goes a long way to reduce anxiety and, um, you know, we're, we're all just humans, right? I mean, we all kind of process information, uh, in our own way. And, and, you know, very few of us do it the same way. So we have right. to, 
understand that uh, the homeowner, this is in many cases, the projects that we get involved with, it's one of the largest capital outlays that they'll do in their lifetime. Right. Um, or the largest one they are doing, you know, for a place for their family and friends to gather at. Maybe it's a second home. Maybe it's a, you know, a vacation retreat or something. Um, we have to use everything we've learned to help them manage their expectations of us and of what that finished product is going to be like. I think it's funny because I feel like a lot of these questions are, you know, I've changed words around a little bit, but it's almost the same answer to a lot of these questions. Uh, just because that's, that's our shared value, right? Our shared right. set of uh, beliefs and, and morals. Um, right with regard to the work that we do. Right. How's that? All right. So I'm going to put you, I'm going to, so, so since you've figured out the answer to life, oh, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a summary of this conversation for an owner. What, what, what trait can an owner have to make themselves um, enjoy or experience or get better value out of their project okay so i guess i gotta start with with some feedback that i got on a project that we were on together during the install you know we're on the home stretch of doing this project a, a renovation to a mid-century modern barn there were some questions about why choices were made gee we should have done this Maybe we could do that even though we're this far along. And, and the architect stopped and, and really eloquently just said, like, let's trust the process that got us here. I think the th there were three of us in the room at the time, and I know it stopped me in my tracks. Like, yeah, you know what? Like, there's been multiple job meetings, multiple conferences, phone calls, research, you know, things being ordered and built and installed this did not happen by accident. And even if there's some cool idea coming in from the side, maybe we need to just stay the course and, um, and trust that it's going to work out. Uh, in that case, I feel like it did. It had to do with the location of some cabinets and the type of doors, and et cetera. Mm -hmm. The details of it aren't, that, aren't as important as the fact that we just kind of got to a point where we had to regroup and remember that this was not a quick decision that got us here. There was right. there was a lot of energy that went into it and that we just need to, to go with it. And if it, you know, so the architect in that case was taking a big chance. Like, mm -hmm. sure, he was like cheering the forces on, we got this, you know. But he was also right. taking a chance that, that all that stuff behind the scenes uh, did you know, was on the right track and is going right. to work out. Right. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's, I think that a, a leap of faith is often uh, taken by everyone involved. The homeowner eventually takes a leap in faith that, you know, I'm going to trust this team that we've assembled and because they've been at this longer than I have. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and a builder and, a builder needs to be able to respect when a when a, a homeowner 
kind of digs their heels in and says, look, this is how much we want to invest in this mm-hmm. project and let's find a, made, a way to make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, that starts a dialogue, right? It's not an ultimatum. It's a right. It's yet, yet another conversation. So trust the process. Trust the process. Invest in a process. Recognize that there is a process that you need to invest in. And it's not not the same for everybody. And Mm -hmm. um, it needs to be a mutual process that's agreed upon between all parties involved. And that's you, uh, your spouse, (laughs) your family, the builder, the architect, and then... To be honest, I think it involves all the trades and vendors as they come into that, that they, they're welcome into this process and they're respected in that process. But it's the right. process that's going to get you to the end and that it, it, it's that, re, that process builds relationships. They're going to they're gonna get the best results you can. And mistakes will be made. Um, they true. always are. But with that mutual respect in a process and knowing that you're trying to do your best work, those mistakes or misunderstandings or outcomes that weren't expected can be rectified in the most positive way. That's right. Yeah, yeah. it's not about blame. It's not a blame game. It, it, it's more no. about, yeah, all working together and, and uh, working through challenges. And yeah, uh, yeah that's really important. I yeah. think that... Um, that like an, an educated consumer uh, is is the best one in my in yep. my opinion. Uh, yep. I can I I enjoy getting a whole bunch of questions about you know my choice of materials or mm-hmm. why I'm putting it together this way or you know why is the sequence this way. I like that because it's yeah. it it furthers the conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my frustrations, I would say, in in my career, and and this goes back to when I was building houses uh, in the '80s and '90s. Um, it was this lack of interest in the process. It was it was more like, you know, money was being paid. This is what they're gonna get, and yeah. uh, and I think that may uh, that probably speaks more to where I was in my career than. Mm-hmm than the overall building trades but mm-hmm. but if we focused in on the building trades i th- i think we'd be remiss to not talk about um this you know a few a few important terms the the skill the trade gap i'm sorry the skills gap you know the lack of skilled workers is impacting all the trades um right the uh the guy with the dirty jobs there, Mike Rowe, um, mm-hmm. has, I mean, he's established a foundation to help uh, people, you know, learn those skills, go to, mm-hmm. go to uh, alternative schools or, or mm-hmm. to just, you know, learn on the job. Um, it's really important. Um, and I feel like there's great progress being made. Yeah. I see more, um, young men and women in the trades now than I did 10 years ago, which is encouraging. Yeah. Because if you look at the average age of um, 
of carpenters and yep. um, building inspectors and so forth. They're most of them are you know forty five to fifty five years old. Yep. Yep. Uh, and uh, so we we've we had we've had under investment in in skills. So I have a theory on this, and I and it may be controversial. Okay. But I'm standing by it. So I I hear a lot of people saying today's youth need to recognize how great an opportunity it is to be in the trades and that it's a, it's a great way to make money and it's a great lifestyle. And I think that's got some truth to it. I mean, I know people that have prospered and, and raised, you know, great families and enjoyed their work and feel really good about it. But I think at the root of the reason why there's a lot of people not interested in the trades today is as a culture, we do, we undervalue them. Correct. And I think systemically, it is more prestigious to be a, a doctor or a, an attorney or a professor or um, a tech entrepreneur than it is to be a plasterer or a floor installer. Right. And I think until we we, the older people, actually respect the people that do this work sincerely, do the youth see that as something that's respected? And I think it falls upon all of our shoulders to start doing that. Right. Um, and I think it's a recognition that these people are contributing as artists. And I, it, this is, I'm getting on my soapbox here. <laughs> but I think art has been delegitimized as something that's a, um, a passion project for the elite mm. uh, that can afford to not make money. So that's why artists can do their work and it's sold at some strange valuation of what it really was worth. But I think everybody has a desire to be creative and that creativity has a lot of value. And I think art is in everything that we all do. Um, it's this mark of creativity. And I think people should recognize that floor installers are artists. Um, mechanical um, pipe fitters are artists. And that's all got value because they can create something that is unique and problem solving um, that other people can't. And I think, <laughs> I'm still in my soapbox, I think part of it is us undervaluing our own selves and saying that, well, I could do something like that and I'm not willing to pay myself that much for it. Uh, you see that a lot in painting. And it's like people like, well, I can paint my house. But until you've painted your house, you don't understand what the value of a painter is. Yeah. No, I, I have, I, I have like, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I, I have a copy, like I have the exact same soapbox and I, I use it a lot. <laughs> I feel like um, if there's a silver lining to the events of the past couple of years, uh, quite a change in a lot of perspectives on what's important in terms of work and home, uh, that that balance that we all seek, often not even realizing it. You know, it's it's important to understand that that. Uh, well, let me back up a little bit. I've had the good fortune of always being 
complimented. People are like in awe of the work I do. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, this is what I do. This, I don't, I don't know anything else. And I don't kind of want to know another way to do it. Um, do I want to streamline? Do I want to get more efficient at it or, you know, cut costs, but still maintain value? Yes, absolutely. Um, so I've, I've had that good fortune. I think the work that I do on a project is often what people see first. Then when you sit back and you're enjoying that kitchen or the library or something, you start to notice, well, the, the light fixtures are just set perfectly. Or that one's really awkward. <laughs> it burns my eyes when it comes on. Um, you know, it's, it's those things that trickle down a, a good design and a well-planned and executed project. Um, all the, the elements that make that project up are the things you see kind of organically as time goes on. But but the work that I do, I'm very fortunate that, that that's what people see first. And I think that's often why, you know, how I'm able to kind of maintain uh, a level of expertise. And if I can't, I'm not afraid to call somebody in that, that can. And that, that's, that's been right. a, a big learning experience for me as well. Like we don't all have to be able to do every job. And, and, and it speaks to your comment earlier about specialization. Uh, I have struggled with the fact that I can go cut the tree down and dry the, you know, saw it up into lumber and, and make a finished product from it. But it probably doesn't make sense for me to cut the tree down and saw up the, you know, have that investment of equipment and time and everything. I'm better off going to a, a company that specializes in providing good quality um, hardwood lumber and then being able to pick mm -hmm. through their pack and get right to work. Um, right. Yeah. So that honestly yeah. is a struggle for me every day. <laughs> I think, oh, we can do that, you know, self-perform. And then I realize, gosh, yeah. it's, you know, it's just not. Let's let's stick with let's hone these other skills. Let's sharpen these other chisels and and uh, yeah, that's good. Keep, keep doing what we're best at. That's well put. Well, thanks for hanging around with me and Everett. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Again, you can find extra content on this conversation and past and future episodes at the Homeowners Institute website. You just have to subscribe for the mailing list. That mailing list is just going to allow me to reach out to you maybe once a month with updates on things coming up and maybe some questions about the content going forward. So I really appreciate you being here with us and I look forward to future conversations. Mm -hmm.